So today we continue this series of messages on the book of Philippians. We've entitled uh, Finding Joy During Dark Days. If you haven't had the chance to listen to Don's sermon from last week, I encourage you to do so. Uh, each of these sermons kind of builds on the last. And last week, Don was talking, by the way, great sermon by Don last week. Uh, Don was talking about uh, this process of becoming more like Christ, of growing in our Christian faith and being transformed by the Holy Spirit. He focused on one verse, uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, God is working in us and we work with God to become new people, new creations. Today, uh, Paul continues that theme really, just prior to this on a passage that I'm not gonna preach on. Paul is talking about his old life and new life and becoming a new creation in Christ and being freed from a religion that for him was really just keeping rules and regulations, very much performance-based, to this new life in Christ of being free in grace and taking hold of what Christ took hold of for him. So we continue this, and uh, let me read our passage for today. It's chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Listen to the word of God. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Will you please join me in prayer? God, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you that it is not a dead book, but it is alive. That it speaks to us today and beyond even speaking to us, it shapes us and forms us and helps us to discover all that you have for us. I pray today that our ears would be open, our minds would be open, our hearts would be open to what you have to say to us. We pray all these things in the great name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. I want to begin today by asking you a question. Do you ever feel like you have been boxed in by life, that you are stuck in a rut? Now, I'm being a little facetious here because right now, I think collectively, all of us are kind of feeling like we are stuck in a rut. I don't want to complain about this pandemic because I feel like I have been so fortunate throughout all of this. But I will say this, the monotony of the pandemic, I think, is getting to all of us. Every day seems like Groundhog Day. It just seems like the same thing over and over again. And it feels like we're kind of in a rut. But even in normal times, easy to get into a rut, isn't it? Easy to kind of get boxed in by life and not see the possibilities before us, but rather be stuck by the limitations that are present in our life today. In our passage today, Paul deals with this question and he really gives us 
another simple question to ask that can help us get out of that box. A friend of mine, Ray Johnston, uh, wrote a book on hope and the importance of hope and how to raise hope in your life. And this is what he says about this question. He says, this question is actually more than a question. It becomes a frame of reference for how you look at everything. Everything. When this question moves from simply being a question to being a habit to being your lifestyle, everybody you know will be affected. A person trained to answer this question becomes someone people flock to for advice and encouragement. The parent everybody wishes they had. The spouse everybody wishes they were married to. The friend everybody wishes they knew. A better person, a better coach, a better teacher, a better employee. So what is this question? Here it is. What can this become? What can this become? In other words, instead of looking at yourself or another person or a relationship or a situation and feeling like it is never going to change, that you are boxed in by it, you look and you ask, what or who could this become? What or who could this become? You know, can I tell you, if you begin to look at life, if this is the lens through which you look at life, this is the question that is always on your mind when you see people and life, then you are beginning to act like Jesus Christ himself. I encourage you to read through the Gospels and look how Jesus related to people. And you'll see over and over and over again Jesus encountering people and helping them to move on in their life almost every time, pointing them to the future, maybe dealing with their past, but then not leaving them there, but pointing them to their future. And you will see him giving a vision of who they can become instead of who they have been. Think about Simon Peter. Jesus called him the rock. How would you like to be renamed the rock by Jesus? And then we all know that Peter failed three times on the night uh, before Christ was crucified. And the next time Jesus met him next to the Sea of Galilee, Galilee, he unwound those three mistakes. And then he said this, Upon you, Peter, I will build my church. This simple, uneducated, sort of impetuous, impetuous fisherman, Peter, you're going to change the world. Or the woman caught in adultery. Boy, talk about being boxed in. This, this is one of my favorite examples of Jesus taking a situation that looks like there's no hope and bringing in all kinds of possibility. First offers her forgiveness, frees her from her past, and then points her to the future. Go and sin no more. Go and live a new life. Or the paralyzed man next to the well sat there for 38 years waiting for someone to get him into the pool first after it bubbled up so he would be healed. Jesus comes to him and he says, do you want to be healed? Or are you stuck in a rut? Paraphrasing here by me. Are you stuck in a rut or do you want to be healed? And he heals him. 
and gives them a brand new life, brand new future. Jesus always looked at people and helped them to become what they could become. He saw life in people through this question. You know, just a side note here, can, you tell, can I tell you something today? This is still true today. God is far more interested in your future than your past. Far more interested in who you be, can become than who you have been, regardless of our age. Now, this makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? That we look to the future instead of the past. When we look at the past, there are no possibilities. It's been written. We can't go back and rewrite it. We can't change it. On the other hand, when we look to the future, there are all kinds of possibilities. The future is a blank slate. It is yet to be written. Now listen, and this really ties in to what we're looking at in this series on Philippians. When we look to the future, this is what I've found. We can get renewed passion. We can be energized. We can have joy as we look to the future. We're in this midst of this series we called Finding Joy During Difficult Days or Dark Days and Really, the question we are asking is looking at the life of Paul and seeing how he rises from these really tough circumstances. We're asking the question, can we do that as well? Can, what's his secret? How does he continue to have joy and hope and even give encouragement during a very difficult time? Well, I think right here, we see one of the keys for him. And that he knew the importance of focusing on the future, of what could become. But one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what is ahead. Paul gives us great advice about how to get out of the, the box, about how to rive, rise above difficult circumstances, to see life with new eyes of possibilities. And it really, it's very simple advice, really two things. He says, first of all, what? Forget the past. Forget the past. To move forward in our lives, we need to be freed from our past. Really difficult to move forward if we're constantly looking behind us. Hard to be encouraged when we're discouraged, maybe, about something that has happened in our past. It seems to me like we, there are a few things we need to be freed from. First of all, maybe those things that have been done to us. And while I, I want to speak really tenderly here and pastorally, because I have counseled many people who have been victims of some just horrible things. They have, have had things done to them, have, have experienced hurt from other people that, that is just terrible should have never been done to you or to them. But can I just tell you, you have to let go. Or it can rob you of joy right now and in the future. It can consume you. The terrible thing about being hurt is you suffer the hurt. And then you have to deal with the anger and bitterness that can occur because of that hurt. 
we have to be free from the things that have been done to us. Secondly, I think we have to be free from those things that we have done. Our mistakes, our regrets, our disappointments, our missteps, our sin. Those things we can go over in our head over and over and over again can even become part of our identity, can really become our identity. I remember talking to a young woman quite a few years ago, made a mistake, compounded it with another mistake, and just filled with guilt. Haunted her. She really saw herself through the lens of these mistakes. And because of that, she was stuck in the past. She really had a hard time moving forward. It was robbing her of life right now. Friends, this is the good news of Christianity. Is there is this thing called forgiveness. Forgiveness for what you have done and the power to forgive those things which have been done to you. One of the things I love about our Christian faith is it's very realistic. It tells us, you know, we live in a broken world where things go wrong. We, we make mistakes. Others make mistakes. We hurt each other. We are broken people. We don't deny that truth in the Christian faith, but we meet it head on. We are bo- broken. That is the penultimate word. But the ultimate word is this. We have a God who understands us, who is merciful, who is forgiving. And when we ask for forgiveness, God is eager to forgive and to wipe the slate clean. It's the good news. There's other good news here, too, is we don't do this work on our own. And remember, God is at work in you. This is a theme we've been seeing coming up over and over again in Philippians God is at work in you to heal you, to redeem your past, to help you forgive, and to empower you to move beyond the things of your past. You know, I've seen this happen. People who have been really deeply hurt, freed by the healing power of Christ in their lives. And I'm not saying it's an easy thing, and I'm not saying that it happens all at once. I don't want to simplify something that's very complicated. But I've seen people healed, their past redeemed because of friends who communicated grace to them through maybe working with a skilled Christian counselor who guided them. The good news here is that God is at work in us. God is at work in you to bring about healing, to redeem, to help you overcome those things in your past, to set you free. This is what Paul is saying. And what he said earlier in Philippians, yeah, I haven't arrived. I haven't reached my goal yet. I still have a ways to go. He's talking about a process. And this is what we saw in the very first chapter, for I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, God who began a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Christ. It implies this process that God is working in us. We are people in process. One of the most freeing things I ever heard early on in my Christian life, you Christians are people in process. For some reason, I thought when you became a Christian, you had to be perfect. No, we're in this process. And what's important about this process is that we forget 
what lies behind, and we look forward to what is ahead. We have to be freed from our past. And by the way, you know, sometimes we have to be freed from our success. Sometimes we live stuck in the glory days of our past instead of moving on to something new. Churches are great at this. Looking back to the glory days when when Sunday schools were full and maybe three worship services were full and uh, they had more money than they knew what to do with and all those things. And they keep looking to the glory days And they don't move on and they don't open their eyes to the new thing that God may be doing. So we got to forget the past. And the second thing that Paul says is we have to look to the future. We have to think about who we can become through the power of Christ working in us. We have to look at our own lives. We have to look at our kids and dream about who they can become. We have to look at our business, maybe. What can this become? We have to look at our church. What can this church become? In other words, folks, we have to have vision. Vision about ourselves, our relationships, our work, our marriages, so many aspects of our lives. And you know why this is important? Because the daily grind, the mundane things of life, can steal our joy, it can rob us of joy, and it can get us beaten down. But when we look up and we see the big picture, it can renew us, it can give us hope. You know, there's this old parable that I I love about two men who were working outside of a cathedral during the Middle Ages. They were both doing the same work. They were both cutting stones. And as you know, These cathedrals in Europe took centuries to build. In fact, they're never really complete, to be honest with you. And a passerby comes along, and he looks at the two men doing the same work and asks, what are you doing? One of them just kind of grunted, didn't look up from what he was doing. He said, I'm cutting stones. The other man stood up and looked up at this great, spire of a great cathedral taking form in front of him. And he said, you know, I am building a cathedral. A cathedral that will be here for centuries and inspire people to worship God. Do you see the difference? Stonecutters doing the same thing, but one is focused on the daily grind of cutting and cutting and cutting, and that gets him down. Cathedral builders have their eyes on the big picture, the future, the great vision, the goal, and that inspires them to do the work of building the great cathedral. Wow, this is so important in so many areas of my li- our lives. You know, this morning I was looking over my sermon, and, and uh, we live in this, on this street, and we have an alley, and so we really kind of communicate through the alley. <laughs> And we get to, we've gotten to know these neighbors in the alley that surround us really well. And we have a young family that lives across from us. And uh, I am on my stationary bike in the garage looking out. So I see them come and go. And I see this young mom just driving her kids in and out of that, that driveway uh, multiple times a day. And I, I said, do you ever feel like a chauffeur? She said, oh, man, I am so sick of this. Just this grind of chauffeuring these kids everywhere. You know, we've had this conversation. So today I said, Rebecca, come over. I want to tell you something. 
And I shared this story with her. And I said, you know what? You have to remember when you're chauffeuring those kids around in that minivan. You are not chauffeuring kids in a minivan. You are raising a child. A child who someday may do great things, make this world a better place. Keep your eyes to the vision, to what can become. You know, for many years I had, uh, I still do, a folder. And on the tab it's very simple, it just says dreams slash vision. I started just putting things in this folder over the years. Mostly having to do with my job, but also all, all parts of my life. And I don't censor myself at all, I just, I just dream. I don't say to myself, that's a ridiculous dream, or that's impossible, or where's the money going to come to do that? No, I, I just dream, I vision, I write. And I do this when I feel the daily grind of, of ministry start to rob me of hope and of joy. Daily grind stuff like what needs to be done, and so many meetings, and figuring out what announcements we have to make on Sunday morning, which can really be a big deal, and looking at budgets and personnel, and all the rest of this stuff, which is good work. It's stone cutting. But after a while, it can kind of become a grind. But boy, when I spend some time and I look at that vision folder and I look at the big picture, I am reminded again of the bigger picture, the vision. And I'm not just having meetings and looking at, at budgets and working through announcements and all the rest of that stuff. I am working with a group of people who are building a church that is going to connect people with God and that God is going to change their lives. That God may help save marriages and raise children and give hope to people who have no hope and empower the poor and change our community and all the rest of the great things that churches do. Now, have all these things in this folder become a reality? No, but many have. And when I do this, I'm energized, and I see possibilities, and I have renewed passion. Boy, such an important part of life. Having a vision for our kids, having a vision for our marriage. Boy, we get married, and 20, 30 years later, you know, you start out with this vision of what you wanted that marriage to become, and then a mortgage comes, and kids, and bills, and, you know, all the rest, and maybe you Maybe you got to take some time and look up and start visioning again. Get away for a weekend, just the two of you. What can this marriage become? Let me go back to my question at the beginning of this sermon. Do you feel like life has boxed you in a bit? Where in your life today do you need to ask this very important question what or who can this become? Is it yourself? Your life in terms of your walk with Christ or character formation or your career? Is there a part of your life where you've just given up that it's not going to change? Boy, you know, we serve a God who says, you know, with all things, all things are possible with God. Some aspect of who you are, if that were to change, would it really make a huge difference? Is it a relationship, a friendship, a child? One thing I do, one thing I do, Paul says, 
forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Amen. God, we thank you for these words from the life of Paul, what we can learn from him. And God, I do pray that you would help us to be people that always see possibilities and believe in a God that always wants to give us new things, new possibilities. Believe in a God who, in him, all things are possible. Lord, help us to see life through these lenses, through this lens, and not be limited by circumstances. Through your grace, we ask these things. Amen.